When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Únese al equipo de BD en Columbus, Nebraska. Estamos contratando para múltiples posiciones con elegibilidad de bonos de inicio de trabajo. Nuestro plan de beneficios integral comienza para todos los empleados en su primer día, incluyendo los planes de seguro de bajo o ningún costo para algunas posiciones, las oportunidades de crecimiento de la carrera y más. BD está hecho para lo que viene en la salud y su carrera. Solicite hoy en jobs.bd.com. jobs.bd.com. Welcome back into another edition of The Kickabout here on The Blue Room. I am your host, Rob Vera, joined again for, t- for a second week in a row by Mark Mosey for a special reason that we'll get to here in just a bit. But Mark, before we start out and get, you know, balls deep in this thing, uh, how is, uh, how's your, your St. Patty's day going? What, what is, what is St. Patty's day over there for you guys? Because here it it is much like a bunch of other holidays for which we have culturally appropriated, uh, in order to give us excuses to binge drink. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun day, you know, for a Wednesday, uh, in this particular case, it's a pretty fun option. Uh, St. Patty's, uh, I vaguely read somewhere something that I think it comes from your part of the world. Uh, is there any kind of celebration going on? Is this even a thing uh, over there or do you guys just drink this much every day and maybe uh, it's not as big a deal? Yeah, a a little bit of that. Um, St. Patrick's Patrick's Day is in Britain. It's basically just the day before everyone takes the day off work. Uh, so <laughs> usually in a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then people go missing afterwards and, and obviously it's, it's a whole lot different this year, but, um, yeah, I, do you know what, in terms of, in terms of the history and where it comes from, uh, other than Ireland for people saying that, um, Liverpool strikes me as, as much as I've never been out anywhere else for, for St. Patrick's Day, but, uh, Liverpool as a city strikes me as somewhere that, that really indulges in, in the whole 
day and week, is it, of festivities? Mm. Um, obviously, it's it's probably labelled relatively fairly now, I would say, as an excuse to go out and get absolutely bladdered, uh, which which absolutely happens. Uh, we are blessed in in this city with a, a number of Irish bars and and places that temporarily become Irish bars on Patrick's Day. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I imagine for for a lot of people who like to celebrate on an annual basis that this one is. Oh, it's, it's probably the second strange St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? Actually, because I, I I guess going off a very vague memory, I guess a lot of people missed this celebration last year as well over in over in Britain and, and probably over in in your neck of the woods as well, Rob. But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Of all the countries that have managed to to latch onto this and and ooze every last bit of ownership they have over over their Irish relatives thousands of years ago and, and over the whole day in, in general. I think England and America have definitely taken the ball by the horns and, and really ran with it. But yeah, in, in terms of celebrations, obviously this year it's been it's been pretty quiet. Um but it it's going on that long list of things that people will be making up for in in a few well, in a few weeks, I'm actually now. So we're we're on a countdown over here to when, uh, obviously, things like pubs and and restaurants and things reopen. Um, not that I'm counting, but at the time of recording, we are 25 days away from being able to to go to pubs and have a drink outside. Oh, uh, a couple of months away from being able to do that inside, but. We, we doesn't, are, I was going to say, it doesn't look like it's stopped uh, all the, the kids gathering at Sefton Park today from the WhatsApp videos oh, yeah. that are going around. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, can do? you can meet one person outdoors now, uh, and that that changes oh. to six people outdoors soon. I think it's very hard to, to keep up with, as is, as is every conservative policy, but... Yeah, we're all uh, we're all hoping for a very warm spring, um, primarily so that we can all sit outside and and have a drink and try and capture some form of normality. And uh, yeah, the, the Guinness and the Jamesons has definitely been delayed this year, but um, we'll, we'll be we'll be recollecting all of these things. We've got two Paddy's Day to to drink for in in a few weeks, so yeah, we'll definitely be going with it. But I don't know. I suppose for you guys, it. Looking, looking at America in general and how you celebrate a, a number of different sort of Saints days or whatever it may be, I, I always get the impression that certain parts of America are, are totally different to others. Um, I, I don't know why. The, the East Coast I always associate with having a very sort of strong Irish heritage and, and celebrating that mm. thing also. But is, is that is that true? I know that you're, you're kind of nowhere near that neck of the woods, but is it a big thing for well, you? No, well, so there's a couple layers to that. I mean, one, look, at this point in our history, Irish people are basically just white people that are everywhere in America. I mean, I assume they're everywhere, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it, yes, th- there certainly seems to be maybe a more, um, I would say a more authentic i don't even know if that's the right word maybe celebration in places like boston and new york and chicago like chicago will die they actually dye the river uh that goes through through uh the city green every single year and they did it this year again and i even think they may have done it last year even though no one was out um i'm not sure i've always questioned like I'm always assured that there's no ecological impact to, to turning an entire body of water green. Uh, but I, you know, I'll just have to trust the experts on that. Um, 
Yeah, in most other places, it's sort of like other holidays like Cinco de Mayo or I mean, you can name a few different ones, but basically they're just things we're aware of holidays that have a certain aesthetic or theme. In the case of St. Patrick's Day, it's I mean, it's every kind of uh, token Irish symbol you can imagine. Lots of four leaf clovers, lots of. Uh, probably semi-offensive uh, leprechauns and, uh, you know, uh, stereotypes about Irish, I, the Irish being drunks, you know, the, the normal, the normal, like, fun cultural appropriation where we can kind of uh, glaze past the details of what we may or may not be doing wrong because we're all drinking a ton of green beer, usually at a low discounted price. So I, hey, I, I am, I, I feel like, I feel like in, in an increasingly, you know, a world that's full of increasing scrutiny about holidays and cultural appropriate, and, and those things are, are certainly a thing. It's like right now as we're kind of coming out of the, the, the COVID world, I, I sort of don't want to try to regulate people's fun. Like if you, if you need to, if you all want to go out and drink green beer today and you have an option to do so, uh, Hey, you know, you, you go for it. You've made it through this year. You probably, you probably earned a little time. Um, you know, so here, I think we're kind of getting in that space here where things are starting to kind of ease up. I mean, the bars, the bars here are open again and, you know, they have people, are, you know, the employees have to wear masks and, and you have to wear masks while you're, you know, not eating or drinking and, and they space everything. I mean, there's there's some there's some regulation to it, but I would tell you that. Uh, you got to remember Oklahoma is a, is a, is a conservative Trumpy state where uh, it's not like there, it's not like there were no restrictions here. Cause there were during all, during all this, like, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but we certainly have kind of embraced the, uh, haven't we done this long enough? Let's just yeah. kind of go back out again, sort of, you know, mantra. And so today I am meeting up with a few friends uh, at the bar to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We're, we're, we're going to be outdoors. Uh, we, like I still have not. Um, I, I think like the, the restrictions or lack of here would probably shock, obviously shock people over there. But um, I still have not had a beer inside of inside of a pub or anything like that during all this I, I only go to places where you can go outside uh and even then we try not to you know we try to stay away from strangers because you know you can only get covid from strangers i read <laughs> somewhere i think so uh <laughs> but no my, my friends and i are all have gotten at least one shot uh some of us have both um it's it's moved pretty fast here i'm hopeful that it'll start moving faster around the world in terms of the vaccinations but yeah. um yeah, I don't know, man. It's St. Patty's Day is uh, is a weird one because it is just a random drinking day. Uh, it's also the day I years like an eternity ago in my life I I broke up with uh, an ex fiance of mine on St. Patrick's Day of all days. That was a not not as fun of a St. Patrick's Day as I normally would have. But uh, other than that, I've got my one green shirt on, as you can see, Mark. So no one's gonna pinch me today. Yeah, uh, or they better not. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> pinch him back. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's St. Patty's Day. I, I have I know nothing else. Like St. Patty, what St. Patrick wasn't the one who like 
was he the one who like played the played the flute and drove the snakes out of Ireland? I I, I don't know anything about anything. Yeah, you you might be being really offensive now. I'm just not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or was it that he played the was he the Pied Piper who who got the children to leave Ireland? I'm I don't know. I really don't. If you're Irish and you're listening to this, please What's feel sorry? free to uh, <laughs> contact uh, Matt Jones at. <laughs> Uh, blue room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, yeah. Hey, look, this is the one week of the year that I have to kind of apologetically make the the statement that I'm not too big on Guinness. Uh, I know that you're you're yeah. you're a relatively big fan, are you, Rob? I remember you having some when you were over. Well, well, you know, funny you bring that up, Mark, because and this is a memory for us. But I I'm not in I'm not big into Guinness either. But mm. when I was so remember my first time at Goodison with my brother, okay? Because yeah. that was my first trip over, and I met up with you and Matt at was it the Brick, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were all out there waiting for the what we knew to knew would be depressing team news for the game against United that 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 night. Yeah, um, I think I, I was so excited because Lasic got a start in that game, and of course he did nothing because he was punted out onto the right hand side or left hand side, right hand side. I can't remember, but anyway, we were in the brick, and people were ordering Guinnesses, and so I thought, you know what? Who am I? not to go along with whatever tradition everyone is identified. And so I just drank it and you know what? It was fine, but it's one of those things where like, you know how you will eat something or drink something on vacation or on holiday, but you, you probably wouldn't keep doing it once you got back yeah. home. That's kind of how I feel about Guinness. I think the, you know? the second time you came over, we went to, um, we went to a, a bar called Pogue Mahone's in, in Liverpool. Yes. Uh, and we got, yes. we got a Guinness and a whiskey in there. And that, that felt that felt a whole lot more authentic than the brick. And I, I'm not shaming the brick because that place serves a purpose on, on certain days of the year, but in, in being in the bathroom, right? In, in terms of <laughs> tasting, tasting the true nectar of Ireland, I'm not overly sure that, oh, yeah. that the, uh, the ancestors of that particular country had the brick in mind for, for passing on, passing on the, uh, the joys of a Guinness. But yeah, it's, um, it, it's something that I'll do occasionally if, if we're out with matt jones obviously as you you mentioned he loves the stuff uh paddy's day of course yeah. but i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't ordinarily thank you for one yeah i'm gonna probably stick to just i like i'll just drink whiskey today um I, maybe some irish whiskey maybe, maybe some jameson so weird but not overdo it well, it's still wednesday mark i can't you know just go overboard i'm Still an adult with some responsibilities. <laughs> casually say on a Wednesday that you're going to a bar with some friends is so so weird to hear. Like it's yeah. it's something that we kind of like we, we just joke about the time that we'll be able to do that again now. And it's probably not until yeah. where you're you're kind of unleashed on the world that you realize that 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 is a such such an, an amazing thing just to be able to go and spend a, a few hours in a pub and i think now that we're getting a couple of days over here where the weather is not horrendous um which for march is is pretty pretty damn good over here um we're, yeah. we're all we're all kind of seeing the sun and thinking well wouldn't this be a great day for or or what if we could all do this and i think that that FOMO that we've got of, of America kind of rightly or wrongly getting back to, to normality. <laughs> um, that That's something that to, to a sensible point, we are all, we are all ready and waiting for over here. But 
Um, I don't know if the, the way that we're doing things, this kind of stepwise approach and, and being being pretty cautious. Um, some would say not too cautious, and and some would say overly. But um, yeah, it, it's still it's still a strange feeling to to hear you say things like that. Um, to to see mm. people in Australia going to to rugby games and selling out stadiums and going to concerts, it, it all it all still seems a little bit too too out there for us at the moment. Well- we're not quite there. I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it, but because a we're absolutely not being as cautious as we probably should be, right? Yeah. The the numbers have gone down. Have you know the bottom has dropped out of the numbers case wise here in Oklahoma, and 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 and, and but that's that's nationally started to happen a little more as you've seen, you know, millions and millions per day of vaccinations go, you know, all the things that are supposed to happen when, when a mass vaccination occurs. But I also think that it was just, um, you know, I, I think it was like probably a confluence of things. Uh, but, but look, I, I, it's one of those weird bits where you probably know that the prudent thing would be to do what the UK is doing. But if they're going to let you meet up at the bar, socially distance with friends and you've had a shot or two, I'm, I know I'm not fully whatever. And again, I'm, that's why I'm not going up and doing my usual thing where I make out with strangers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've decided to, to stop that, uh, not do that quite as much. No. Um, I'm, I'm mostly kidding. Um, but, you know, like you, you just have to you just have to kind of. I think that's been the, the other odd thing too, is that while I have been out uh, and I see, f- see a, a small group of friends, mm. um, you know, I've, I, I've talked to strangers far less. I'm very, you know, I'm very cognizant. Even, even now uh, I'm telling you in one breath and I'm going to the bar after work today, but at the same time I have, I, I'm still doing that thing where whenever I'm out on a walk, you know, like the big long walk is the thing I think so many of us have gotten used to. Yeah. Or for those of you who are runners, like, you know, A, you're a sucker if you're a runner, but B, uh, if you're out doing it, you probably can relate to this part, which is where you see someone in, you know, in eye shot coming, you know, and they're on the same side of the street as you. You have to do that weird dance of, am I going to be the one that moves? Uh you know, especially because if it's a woman, I'm like, well, I should be, you know, it's gentlemanly of me to, for me to move to the other side of the row. But then I think, am I being anti-feminist? If I am the one who moves first, maybe I should give her the opportunity to move first. But then I think about how threatening men generally are to women. And then I'm like, no, I should move. See, all this going through my head while I'm afraid of getting COVID, Mark, there's just so many things to process and think about. I am looking forward to the day where COVID is gone and I'm back to just being some strange man on the street that some woman is casually afraid of, as she probably should be if she's wise. (laughs) And then... And then I feel like the world will start to kind of, you know, reset itself. And I think that'll be good. But um, yeah, like that's, that's, it is weird that we're allowed to, but I'm, I've spent a year in this house and not traveling at all for work. And I'm just, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to have some socialization back. Um, Though you guys not being able to meet up outdoors in like in a park or something like get going to the park and bringing some beer with me was really the only way that me and my friends, you know, we were all sitting 10 feet apart or whatever, but we were, we were desperate to talk to people because Zoom is just, 
it's soul crushing after a while to only talk to someone that way. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm just looking. At, um, you probably have seen this, Rob, because I think we've we've shared it in our Blue Room WhatsApp group. But um, the the clock by which I now live my life is called uh, the Beer Clock. People will be able to find it online, um, and it's basically mm. a countdown to how many days and in what location and with how many people you can have a beer. Um, so. At, at the time of recording, I'll reliably inform you that it's 11 days, 4 hours, and 33 minutes until we can have a beer in the park with five friends. Um, but yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, in that, we're in that kind of twilight at the moment whereby we know what the next stage is, and, and that is you know, the, the rule of six and it's outdoors. Um, but realistically, we're, in terms of the numbers and everything you mentioned, we're probably ready for it now. Um, so it, it's kind of... The, the patience will will slowly wear over the next eleven days, and I think that that's the that's the general fear with this, which is now our third lockdown, is that there, there probably isn't a great deal of patience for um, any elongation of of this particular lockdown or for any future mm. ones, uh, because the vaccine the vaccine is our get out, and and that's that's how people yeah. rightly or wrongly see it. So I think it's a, the reason that our government are being so cautious is purely for the fear of yes the numbers and everything else rising again and getting ourselves into the into the medical emergency we were in but i think it's just the the state of social chaos that would probably ensue if if we were to to kind of restrict people's lives again um, you you right yeah. said that that people over in your neck of the woods are, are generally feeling this nature of just being fed up with restrictions and you, you kind of forget why you're doing things to a, to a certain extent, don't you? You just kind of this this yeah. is how life is now, and we'll just do it, and not really think about the the kind of medical emergencies that that you're preventing. But yeah, it's um it's a it's a tough one at the moment in in terms of just having that that angst and that that anxiety to get out there and and embrace things. And and as you said, people will do that to different extents. People. Some people, when the bars open outdoors and indoors, will will absolutely do everything they can to to get our economy booming again because that is what's going to happen because every single place in Liverpool City Centre will be absolutely rammed as soon as it can be. But there, there will be a there will be a decent level of people who are a little bit cautious about returning to to some form of of normal with in particular in terms of socialising with friends, but. I don't know. It's interesting you mentioned about not being able to. Sorry, not 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 being able to, but not feeling as free and easy with communicating with strangers. And I think that that's something that we touched on in last week's show about how um, conversing with friends could be quite difficult, and and with family, it, it, it's all going to take a little bit of time to to reach some form of natural previous that we had but it's a bit of a shame that we're all going to have this sense of i can't go and speak to that group of people or possibly get near that person at the bar and you know go and help them out with drinks or whatever it may be because there's this thing in the back of your head that that person's going to kill me if i go near them um and yeah well it's it's one of those things where even if you stop believing that in your head yeah you have become so conditioned to staying a distance from people and that's the part that snap the snapping back is just not i don't think it's realistic i think people are you know like even if if they could sell out and and maybe you know, with the the pictures that we see from New Zealand and Australia where they've mostly gotten rid of it and they're able to have people in stadiums and those sorts of things like yeah maybe maybe we will bounce back faster than we think but 
if if they announce, you know, if Everton announced tomorrow that they could have a full house for the FA Cup game against City, I guess it would sell out. But I also kind of wonder, would people hesitate a little bit? Like, you know, there's that little part of you that's just like, I'm almost out of the woods. And 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 I I, I even feel like the I think we probably as a society may even overestimate you know, it's not like the vaccine is, uh, it'll, it'll pro it'll protect you from by all trials will protect you from death and hospitalization. And I think that's the most important thing, but, um, it, it always, it feels after this, like nothing will be the same from the standpoint that now we know what can happen and we know that it, that it can all be taken away. We know that there could be some new virus, some, you know, COVID 21, yeah. COVID, COVID, 28 the reckoning you know like whatever i mean every they're gonna market the shit out of this one next time uh um, well, the, the thing the thing we've seen we know what to do now right i mean i think hopefully <laughs> going on a disgustingly evident tangents i think that what we've seen this week I, I don't know if this has been confirmed yet but i think the the last two premier league games for every team has been pushed back slightly um just so that every club has the opportunity to have 10,000 fans in the game or up to 50% okay. or, or whatever it is. Oh, is that what those, those reschedules were all about? Yeah. Yeah, we had a, we had a few, well, didn't we? And then I think at the end of the season, we're, we're hopefully going to have 10,000 in the stadium for, for a game. Uh, it, it's funny you say about, you know, people having reservations about that. I'm Probably the only time socially that I've been out and thought, I'm very aware that things are different here. Is is when me and Matt went to the the Chelsea game in December, um, and mm-hmm. it was probably like that because obviously everyone knows the, the the ridiculous levels of restrictions that were needed in order to to get into the game. You know, COVID testing, take your ID, you know, your blood type, whatever it was that they wanted to to get into the stadium. But um, that that was probably the first time that you. Thought, Why do you? Was it weird when they were like, you need a, and you were kind of like, wait, you need a semen sample? Why? Like, what does that have to do with me being in the stadium today? That's bizarre. Well, yeah, (laughs) we won't even go into how me and Matt got hold of them, but uh, (laughs) it it was probably, it was probably the first time we did something that felt a little bit wrong, almost. And I know at the time it wasn't, but um, you're very aware that you're around. For safety, it's just for safety, Mark. It's just for safety. (laughs) And I don't even mean the semen sample at this point. I mean the actual match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's something that you you look forward to with excitement. But I think when you dropped into that situation, everyone will will just need to to take a minute in order to, to get back to get back to doing what we love. And that is usually going to watch Everton. Yeah. Well, and I look, I, I have longed to be back there. Uh, I was hopeful that they would, I was, I don't know. I think I was probably just overly optimistic that maybe in the last month of the season, they'd at least have half capacity just because back in December they were doing the whole, I guess it was 10% sort of deal. I, I, I don't know why they couldn't do 10% now because I feel like it's, it's were the numbers really better in December than they are now? Like I don't uh, think so. No, they're, they're much better now than than they were in yeah. December. Yeah, yeah. 
But I guess the idea is, like you said before, just now we're not going to even mess with it this time. We're just going to try and crush this thing once and for all and be done with it. And yeah. so, yeah, I get it. And now I, I, I'm focused on just booking travel for myself and just getting out of here. Uh, I take my next, I take my second shot uh, next Wednesday. Uh, the Pfizer, for those of you who want to know. Um, and no am, I've got a, what was that? No blood clots for you. No, no blood clots. Yeah, that whole that whole AstraZeneca thing is ridiculous. Um, but but the the I've I've I booked my first flight for mid April. I am going to Pittsburgh to see my brother nice. for a long weekend. Uh, we will both be fully vaccinated at that point, and I have not you know I haven't spent much time with him over the last uh, year plus, and and then I haven't been on a plane since last March, mm-hmm. which is weird given how much I travel. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, baby steps, just getting away. Uh, I think it'll be really fun. And uh, again, they've got capacity restrictions there, but who cares? My brother, we can, I'm sure we can find something to do. Uh, It'll be great. But six day celebrations. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the delayed St. Patrick's day, since we're, we're very, uh, you know, we're clearly very plugged into the Irish culture (laughs) and everything like that. Um, So, I want to pivot a little bit into because um, by the time you're hearing this, I'm sure I will have tweeted uh, something uh, about uh, the the big announcement today. This is a this is a very special episode of the Kickabout, and I mean, American listeners of a certain age will know that that when you were young, they would show a you know a funny sitcom episode, and they would call it "Oh, tonight." A very special episode, and that's when you knew some heavy shit was about to go down. You knew that that uh, you know, in the case of like different strokes, you knew that the kids were about to be uh, almost kidnapped by the sex offender, or you knew that someone was going to try, someone was going to offer them marijuana for the first time, and they had to make a decision, a life or death decision to 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 say nope to dope. You know, like those things were. All about a very, you know, the quote special episode back then. Uh, this is nothing like that. It's not as serious as that. Um, one, because uh, uh, your American uh, host of this show certainly does not say no, nope to dope. And and two, because uh, this is uh, this is good news. This is not anything super heavy, but. Um, I, after some time and consideration and, and believe me, this thought, uh, this is something I've been thinking about for a while, uh, to even broach the subject on. And I can't believe he said yes, because who wants the burden of the blue rooms, redheaded stepchild known as the, as the kickabout, uh, who wants to share that burden. But, uh, and today I am announcing, uh, that moving forward, Mark Mosey, the Mark Mosey, the uh, my as I've said many times, my my Blue Room soulmate, um, the handsomest English man I know, etc. Uh, etc. Et uh, is going to be the new permanent co-host of the Kickabout. Now, before I let Mark talk to, talk to all of you about what this honor means to him in the grand scheme of his life the way in which he's chosen to include it on his resume. Uh, I think that's called a CV over there. Um, I want to first assure you of a few things. Um, 
One, uh, Mark will be co-host, but it won't just be the two of us every single episode. We care about you, the listener, way too much to subject you to just us from now until the end of time, uh, for those of you who listen to The Kickabout. Um, but it will be the two of us primarily, with a generally with a third person that we will rotate in. So for those of you who are, as you should be, fans of uh, Hannah Farrell and Kay Riley James and Les Roberts and Matt Jones and Patty when he feels like it and <laughs> uh, the great Mike Diasha, like all of the... All of the Blue Room Cinematic Universe will still be part of Kickabout. Um, but I just feel like the conversations that I get to have with Mark are some uh, like, if you can't tell this, and, and sometimes wait. this is the feedback we get with Blue Room, but it, people will often say it sounds like two friends or two mates, if you will, uh, talking uh, about, about Everton or about whatever. And there's something very comforting about listening to that. You you feel like you're hanging out with your, your friends, your bros, if you will. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And the reason it sounds that way is because Mark is my friend. Mark is someone who I, I uh, have conversations with both uh, on here and offline about all sorts of things, uh, not just about our, our our shared snide petty uh, vendetta against Tom Davis or our uh, shared love of Yeri Mina or anything like that. I mean, I think we, we talk about all kinds of stuff and uh, I just, I've gotten so much feedback about how great Mark is every time he's on the show. And I decided after a while that while I've never hidden the fact that I'm the football dummy of the blue room, <laughs> that it was important that we brought on someone who was actually talented to be on this show to kind of offset me. So I am thrilled to welcome Mark Mosey as the new co-host uh, of the kickabout. Mark, tell us your feelings. Uh, tell us, tell us where this falls between, I don't know, getting married, graduating from university. Like where, where does this fall in, in those, you know, list of honors of your life? This is all news to me. Um, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's how we're going to play this. All right. Nice. (laughs) Um, We are, we are yet to discuss my retainer, um, on, on any, yeah. Any fees that will be forwarded on the back. You're going to be underwhelmed by the compensation. You're going to be underwhelmed by the compensation structure, Mark. I promise. (laughs) Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years, with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again, Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, CY 2000 through 2021 sales. Your intro to my co-ownership, if you will, of this show was a mix of very flattering praise and that you, you play yourself down because I think most people tune into this show because they absolutely love what you've done with it and, and hopefully 
I can come on and just contribute a little bit of the weirdness that that you particularly bring because I like to think we are both as weird as each other. Um, the the second half of of your monologue, I thought you were just trying to sell me marijuana. Um, I'm I'm here. I'm open. Um, whatever you want to do on this show, it's fine. If you want to open over a, a branch over here, we can we can see what happens. But um, I, my my move over to this show uh, on a on a permanent basis is it's it's a fair example, people of how social restraint has pushed us to such desperate levels at the moment um i'm I'm not able to go out and and see people and and do enjoyable things so here i am on a on a weekly basis um and and i'm I'm ready for it i think what i what i absolutely love about about this show and what you've probably already noticed for the previous 32 minutes is that we we talk about everton on this show but we we exist as a podcast for that reason to live and breathe the the football team uh, and as important as that is and and as much as it unites not only myself and rob but everyone who listens to this i think the the most flattering praise rob i think you'd agree of of shows that that you've done with other people and that we've done together is that it it does have that that natural flow. It, the, the the conversations and the topics I I promise you for so many reasons are not choreographed and that they're not for the main part mm-hmm. about beforehand. We can mm-hmm. just we go with it. Uh, no prep, no prep is no, the motto here. No, no. <laughs> we, uh, we are we are more than more than happy to to talk about things that that people enjoy hearing about and pe- that people care about, but. I think it's it's just a, it's a nice opportunity on on this this greater platform that is the Blue Room to have a little bit of a podcast that is that is something different. Um, I, I I've, I've listened to a few podcasts talk about podcasts recently, and I think that the general mm, feeling that, that mo- most podcasts are pretty crap. Uh, and I think yeah. the, the the beautiful thing that we do here is obviously we've got we've got a, a united tie, which is Everton, as we've said, but. I think we we've, we've got a lot of real people who just like to kind of just talk to each other, uh, and and the, the podcasts that I like listening to are ones where you can tell that people are just kind of casually conversing, and and there's not a great deal of sort of structure. And we're not going to get a celebrity on and ask them sort of bog standard questions. And if you are a celebrity that's listening, feel free to DM us, and we'll get you on instantly. We'd love to ask some bog standard questions. Yes, but this <laughs> this this is going to be this is going to be very natural and, and sort of very free flowing and to be quite honest rob i'm just i'm excited to see what we can do with it to be honest yeah well thank you mark i i'm i'm excited as well and look i i don't think fundamentally too much about the the overall tone <laughs> of the show is going to change or the approach like oh, i think mark made a really good point um and it's funny we bring this up just because there are a case i feel like when there's enough time between Everton games and the fans on Twitter aren't turning on one another. There become these odd turf wars between the fan channels and the podcasts and all of that. And look, I, I don't, I, I, I kind of refuse to engage in all that mainly because I mean, for starters, the blue room is the best Everton podcast and that's, that's, that's science. And if you want to argue with science, then you need to take that argument to, to, to the Lord almighty. Himself. We don't I'm sorry. As a disclaimer, we don't make that rule. It's just, it just happened. What can I do about us being the best? I mean, I believe me, I try my hardest for us not to be the best and yet it's somehow we still are, but um, no, I look all, all kidding aside. Um, 
what what I want to what I when I first talked to Matt about doing this podcast, Mark, and I think you and I even talked about this a little bit. Mm. The idea was just that we have a lot of podcasts that sort of get into a cycle and it's not bad because there's, there is a real thirst out there for, for pure Everton talk. And there's always the thing about Everton is that for a club that haven't won anything in so long, there always seems to be some kind of intriguing storyline or something weird to talk about. Um, even this season, you know, as angsty as you feel sometimes about the recent form and all of that, Everton have been way more interesting to talk about this season than they have in previous seasons. So that part's great. And, but I, but I also feel very strongly, and this is what I kind of pitched to Matt when we, we talked about kickabout was the notion that the same people to Mark's point who are kind of tied together by this particular thing are also human beings who have different thoughts and feelings about a wide variety of things. Uh, we've, we've talked about some serious stuff on here. I mean, we, we had the whole, you know, the, the civil, the, the sort of the racial uh, justice and George Floyd issue that has come up on this show before we've talked about, um, you know, I, we've talked about, um, you know, the way in which, um, you know, the way it, we, I've talked to, to people like Hannah and Kate about the way in which women hurt women in Everton Twitter in general are kind of treated uh, as, as objects at times. We get into some kind of deep areas for sure. But 98 percent of the time, guys, we're also just we just need a break from the seriousness at times of the world and the seriousness and the bleakness of Everton, because you can only drink so much Everton before you start to curl it all up. I mean, I think that that I think that especially when you have the the summertime, the closed season, the off season, whatever you want to call it, where we're all waiting for transfers to happen and we all think they're going to happen early and they don't and there's a lot of space to fill and there's a lot of other things going on. Um, and as you guys know by now, um, I will always keep music uh, as a big part of stuff we talk about on the show, stuff we're watching on Netflix and what have you. Uh, but also, I think it's important to say that while those things are important to me, uh, I look forward to what Mark uh, brings uh, to, to this show himself. Uh, but more than anything, uh, we just we enjoy talking to each other and we hope that in some form or fashion, you guys take comfort in the fact that we are uh, we are um, just <laughs> we're random people, just like uh, those of you who are listening, who have lives and issues and things. And we find humor in the darkness of the world and darkness in the humor of the world. And uh, we're all just trying to make it through this together. But this last year has, to Mark's point, taught me a lot about uh, what friendships mean and how, what form they come in. And I could not have made it through the last year or so without my friends, uh, over, uh, over on Merchant side, who I have not seen physically in well over since last August or August of 29. God, it was it 2019. No. Well, yeah. yeah. August 9, August 2019. Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been so long and, and time is blurred. So uh, I'm grateful for these guys. Uh, I'm grateful to those of you who listen and those of you who provide feedback and engage. Um, it, it's, it, it means the world to me and I'm glad that I have the ability to, to do this for whatever reason they've chosen to give me this ability to do this. It's worth pointing out that y yes, we are ordinary people like you, the listener. Uh, but I think that the only thing that really separates us is that you were a little, we a little the better, room, Mark. obviously we, we, we have very high ranking contacts at the club. 
Um, so sure. I know that we, we, <laughs> we discussed uh, the possibility of getting 10,000 Evertonians into Goodison Park in May. Um, 5,000 of those tickets are actually coming directly to Blue Room contributors. So if you would, <laughs> please, as Rob said earlier, feel free to contact Matt Jones um, at Matt Jones Football on Twitter. Um, mm. Or he'll he'll directly answer any of your emails. If you'd like his mobile number, feel free to to get in touch with us on the show. But um, that that is that is the, the the sole difference between between you guys and, and and myself and Rob and all of the the wonderful contributors that that we'll be having on this show going forward. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Uh, I also want to add to that. If you want to know what Tom Davis's best position is, yeah. Uh, well, Patty Boyland of the Athletic is excited to get your message yeah. and would love to <laughs> banter back and forth about that particular <laughs> issue because no, I keep forget. Like I think I know, and then I forget. I feel like I need to ask Patty that again soon. Um, no, I, I honestly I feel like I'm I'm already kind of messing with Patty a little too much lately. I need to leave him alone. But I find that I find that there's it's pretty harmless that what I'm doing that we've discussed, Mark. Um, yeah. Today, with the Bill Murray, the Bill Murray gifs are are really just that's just that's my love language to Patty. Anyway. You could just if you could all direct message Paddy with either a Wobi yes or a Wobi no as to whether <laughs> whether Alex Wobi can still be on Instagram or not and um, that that would be that would be really helpful just to just to get a, a bit of a brief picture about about who we're dealing with out there I think it, that's that's the important thing that that resonates with me on this our first show yeah and because we are connected to the club um <laughs> let us know your thoughts on the Gilfie Sigurdsson extension talks I'm I think they're you know Marcel has kind of been asking us what our thoughts are on it and I you know I've expressed my thoughts I don't know what difference it'll make at the end of the day but you know if you guys have thoughts if you want us to to get you know communicate directly with uh with uh, Marcel, uh, David, uh, I believe is how you pronounce his name, David Ancelotti. Uh, I don't know about Carlo. That's probably, I mean, <laughs> let's not be ridiculous. Of course I don't get to talk to Carlo. I'm just on a fan podcast. But Marcel, we talk at least once a month. So uh, you let me know. Um, We're going to get Ancelotti okay. on okay. to d- discuss Everton's deep setup at free kicks just so that Ethan oh, can never, ever talk about it ever again. <laughs> okay, I think we have poured on enough layers of sarcasm to build the foundation of a home that cannot be destroyed by any hurricane at this point. Um, okay, let's let's finish things off with some actual Everton talk. Uh, just because I don't want to really talk about Burnley. I mean, I look, I. I have I have kind of steadfastly, Mark, maintained that Everton could finish top four this season because of the condition of the league. Yep. Um, Mike, Mike said something interesting on one of the, the – the, it's probably Subs Weekly last week saying that he was tired of hearing that because people say that every season, and I completely disagree. I don't know that I've ever said Everton would, could finish top four in any season until this season, but mm-hmm. – Whatever. That's that's uh, he. If he hears this, he can answer me on that. Um, but we are definitely in a weird spot where everything kind of feels teetering a little bit. Um, I probably, and I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm probably willing to slightly revise down my. I don't know if you call them 
expectations, ambitions, what have you, um, just because I'm, I'm now, I'm now a little more, I'm feeling a bit shakier about the proposition with, especially with Decoria out, which for me just somehow feels like a bridge too far. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of like, if we can get finish in a Europa league spot that, you know what, that's not the end of the world. Um, you give me a few more, you know, a couple months into the summer and I'll probably be thinking we really blew this chance. Uh, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, the best version of our squad this season or the best 11 we've had um, have featured players that either are are currently injured uh, or um, have been in and out of the lineup so much like Thomas Rodriguez that that you just – and I'm not even, I'm not mad at James Rodriguez, you know, injuries are what they are. You, you know, they, we knew that that was probably going to be a thing with him, but it just reveals to us lately, like what these other top sides have in terms of just the waves and waves and waves of ridiculous talent. They can just, you know, you city can be missing Kevin De Bruyne for <laughs> however long and it just doesn't even phase them um you know they'll just be, they they just go they can just go buy anything they want and it's great and i'm not trying to take away from the job pep does but but even even you know even lester who've had a ton of injuries this season if kind of found a way to settle. We, we just, I think at a certain point, and, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Mark. Um, I wonder, and I think about December, especially Hamas didn't play uh, hardly at all in December. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about what we sort of found. And I know the XG, the XG mob who hates me and anyone who talks about bottom line scoring and all that kind of stuff. Not, I mean, no one wants to hear it, but we kind of developed this badass sort of with Dean out. We developed this sort of like, look, we're going to play a deep lying, you know, four tough dudes at the back, uh, style and then kind of hit on the counter and what have you. We're not going to create a ton of chances, but we can win games because we won't let anyone score. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think people can argue that that could just, that just couldn't have persisted for too long. You you can't make the argument that you're worse off. You're better off without Dean. So I understand that, but I, I kind of feel like once we started to try and reintegrate people back in and we, we, and kind of mess with the formation a little bit, I feel like we lost our way a little bit and I don't know that it's anyone's fault per se. I just think that we had a certain grouping personnel grouping. We had to play him in only one way and we found a way to win some important games like the Chelsea match, the, the, che- the game against Chelsea in December versus the one we just played couldn't have been more night and day uh, in terms of how I felt about the control we had of that game. And so it just feels like we've kind of lost that a little bit. And so to kind of tie back to Burnley and then turn it over to you, Mark, Burnley get criticized all the time for being this sort of one way or no way sort of team. They play one way, one formation, what have you. Um, part of me wonders if if Everton in their ambition to try to be more progressive aren't really playing in a style that is actually the best version of themselves given the actual talent they have in the squad. And I feel like that's made us lose our way. What what do you what do you think? I I'm trying not to lose all hope. I'm not I'm not like down in the dumps about this side, but I'm 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 finding myself revising expectations a little bit. Yeah, one team that you did mention just to touch on it quickly was Man City. Um 
the the one thing that I can offer listeners going forward is that we will stand brothers in arms, albeit maybe not this Saturday, with our blue brothers from down the M62 or Highway 62, as you might say, Rob. Um, so <laughs> we will we will consistently champion their efforts to boil the piss of Liverpool fans globally. Um, so sure. that that is one team that Saturday apart we will a not years ago. Yeah. We will be saying no negative comments about. Um, right, okay. Generally speaking, first top four, top four is not achievable for me this year. Um, I it, it was it was on the table when we when we started very well. Of course, um, if, if you win seven or eight games at the start of the season, then the conversation is always going to be open. Um, now at this point of the season, I'm looking at the league table as we speak. Um, I, I don't think that we are 10 points better than Leicester, um, given the fact that there are now 10 or 9 games in their case remaining. Um, we, we've seen concrete evidence this week that Chelsea are a better football team than us. Um, I, I don't think that we we are capable of, of getting near them, um, albeit we are, we are in theory, if we were to win our, our eternal phrase of game in hand, um, we're, we're two points mm-hmm. behind them, but... but I just don't think that at a time in the season, as we we've spoken about on this show recently, whereby teams know how to click into gear, um, the 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 ones that we should be more closely looking at are the Liverpools and the Tottenham's and the teams that have have to a, a greater extent struggled this season. Um, I think you're right in terms of Europa League is an achievable target. Um, it is it is still an impressive one for me. I think the. The thing that irks both myself and probably a lot of Evertonians is that at, at some point the the culture of transition and growing has to turn to achievement, um, and I, yes. I'm not sure I'm not sure at what stage that that prospect of becoming a better team becomes slightly too frustrating to actually bear and, and the, the sense of realism about ever reaching that target is gone uh, and I think that this year going into this season I thought that this was a really big one in terms of Everton had to do something we had to get into Europe and and I, I very much stand by that now and I think if, if we were to finish eighth um, or if we were to finish seventh and not qualify for Europe and don't ask me about the the permutations of the Europa Conference and and all of these other things that come into it this season. But Europa, Europa Farmers League, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I don't know. I think you have to finish twelfth and get two bookings in the last game. I, I don't know how you qualify. <laughs> Quite frankly, if if Everton if Everton football players are getting on a plane to go and play for this club next season, then we've achieved because that that is what we're in for. Um, I've I've never bought into the idea that European football is a distraction. Um, quite honestly, mm-hmm. those footballers for for a defined number of years, and to an extent, us as football supporters, we have a, a finite number of years to to enjoy Everton being in these competitions. To go away and, and Christ, it doesn't feel like it at the moment, but probably get on a plane and go to Europe and watch these footballers do things that we we've longed for thirty eight games the year before to to finally be able to achieve. And I think that. Carlo Ancelotti, the one, the one major thing for me about him is that he'll go hell for leather to achieve that. He, he doesn't care if it's if it's you know going off to Slovenia on a Thursday night. I think he'll he'll want to reach those levels. He'll want to achieve because 
that is the natural progression of an improving football club. Um, and he, he quite simply w- will not accept finishing one place below what Everton's maximum is. Um, but yeah, in, in my honest opinion, I think fourth probably is a little bit too far. Um, the, the Burnley game, the Burnley game in the first half, I, I got into half time and, and yes, we'd scored, but even if we went in a 2 0 down, I think I was. I was ready to have that feeling of, do you know what? There's only so much you can do about goals like that. And and yes, we we definitely had a part to play in the first goal. And be it Tom Davis or Michael Keane or whoever you want to point a finger of blame at for that, it's a good finish. Uh, the second one is an unbelievable finish. Again, you probably look at Alan and say you you could do better. But in in the grand scheme of what is a crazy Premier League season. Those halves of football are going to happen. The ones where you just kind of have to take it on the chin and say, well, we were shit. They they took a couple of really good opportunities. Games change very quickly. Goals are scored at an alarming rate this season. Penalties, we don't even need to get into how often they're given. Things change quickly. And I think that the Calvert-Lewin goal, it was probably the build-up for the biggest disappointment of, of the day for me in that everything about that game was set up for Everton to come out in the second half and really impose themselves on Burnley. Uh, Burnley Burnley are a bad football team. They they don't travel well. They are there to be beaten by teams like Everton on a weekly basis. Um, and we've we've shied away from that twice against them this season. I, I remember earlier in the campaign where in, in the weeks leading up to us going to Turf Moor, we'd seen teams carve through them quite easily. I always think watching Burnley, and, and in particular when they're playing at home, my, my lasting memory is of watching opposition teams counter-attack against them quickly uh, and, and being being quite destructive in terms of how they can pick Burnley apart. We, we, we time and time again, regardless of season, seem to be the team that, that revitalises Burnley. Uh, and we could probably point that finger at a number of other opposition teams as well in that we, we struggle to really put our finger on the pulse of the weaknesses of a team. And I think that that's something that we did in particular against these at the weekend. Um, Fulham are going to not get relegated, I'm convinced, because of the win at Goodson. (laughs) So so many teams already this season have have identified the the, the DNA of what what picks apart weaknesses of insides like that, and and yeah, we're, we're going to see we're going to see poor teams go and get ridiculously good results, and and on a one off basis, it is going to happen. And do you know what, Everton are probably going to be involved in most of those games, but um, the depth of the squad really really came to to the fore. I think in this game, um, it, it was probably the first one where I thought we're, we're really struggling for ideas. Um, yeah. You, it feels stale. It feels yeah, a bit stale right now. It really does. Uh, I think that, yes, we've identified that we're good centrally. Um, we, we very much lack just someone who we can throw out on that right wing and say, do you know what, just go and cause him problems for 20 minutes, get dangerous balls into box and, and let Calvert-Lewin do his thing. And the, the progression of Everton from 10 to 20 yards of getting up the football pitch and, and towards an opp- opposition penalty box it it seems more tedious than ever at the moment, and I know that we're all we're all longing for James Rodriguez, but I think the the second thing that that really resonated with me from this game is that it was, I, do you know what I, I've missed going to the football matches as, as much as anyone this year, but it was probably the first time I looked at it and thought they they really miss us. Um, it, it struck me as one of those games where 
if you got to, you know, you got that Calvert-Lewin goal, you come out in the second half, you get to the hour mark, you make a you make a substitution, you change it up, and the the crowd have really have had a role to play in that last half hour. Um, and I, I know that. I know that that's a really jumpers for goalpost view about the Premier League, and and yes, it's a it's a very technical league, and and it very much exists without the fans like it or all over this season, which we've seen. But I think that they're the they're the matches where a team like Everton are so good at tapping into the emotional value of of the sport and tapping into the emotional value of having forty thousand Evertonians there. Um, and I know that that's a very that's a very basic point to throw at this match because, quite quite frankly, we just needed to play football a lot better. But it, there are times in the season where you you need to rest on the the more human aspects of of how you approach the game, and I think the the crowd would definitely have. I, I don't see a I don't see a, a scenario where Everton don't get a point out of that game if we've got a full house there, and maybe that's just maybe. thinking, and, and and maybe that is just me. Over overagging the the impact. Well, but Mark, anytime I anytime I think about that, I I think to myself. Anytime anyone says, you know, this game would have been different if we'd had fans at Goodison, and I'm not saying that they're totally wrong about that. Um, but I also then would counter with, how many of these away wins would we have yep. if there had been a crowd mm-hmm. there? I, I I just this season is weird and everyone knows it and it's not ideal and blah, blah, blah. But everyone's been playing under pretty much equal conditions in regards to the no crowd thing. Um, it, it does of course irk me a bit when I think about the fact that when we had only like what was 1500 fans or whatever, or 2000 when you guys went uh, to see them play, I mean that that made a huge difference just even having some volume in there. I, I can't imagine how, as much as we process our emotions in a very similar way watching the game, how different it must be for them to be in this quiet, dead quiet. Uh, it feels almost like uh, the Eastern block right after World War II, sad type of you know, echoey stadium. And it's just very, it's very dystopian on some level, but I, I, I want to push, push back on, or not really push back, but I want to ask about two, kind of broader assumptions that I think people are making right now about Everton moving forward. And this is a very a way too early jump into thinking about what Everton need in order to be where they want to be going into next season. But I want to ask you something because you made a comment about, you know, needing the some, you know, needing a more presence on the right hand side, which I think we all agree with. Mm-hmm. And you said that, you know, the center of the pitch we're doing pretty well. And I, I want to ask you that question. I want to start with the midfield. Um, I like I, I like what I've seen out of Tom Davis lately. I've loved what I've seen out of DeCorey all season. Alan, I'm I I, I kind of waver on Alan only because I like him, but I also kind of at times feel like okay, it was pretty good, but I don't know if it's quite as good as I thought. But I also am thinking about the fact that he missed so much time. Um, so I don't know if maybe I have an incomplete view of him at times, but I, I still like Alan. And I suppose my question is this to you, Mark. Um, let's start with the first one. If we went into next season and you're starting three, and let's just assume fitness, 
your starting three central midfielders. Let's just assume we're playing some four three three, you know, or four two three one. Whatever. Just, a, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking positionally the the central midfielders, not the wingers, not the not the the forward guys. Um, oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If I said to you, Alan DeCore and Tom Davis were your three going into next season as the starters, the starters, um, is that an is that really is that enough? Is that is that the quality of central midfield that Everton would need for us to not be having these same conversations about games like Burnley and Fulham and Newcastle? going into next season. And again, it, it's not all down to just the central midfield. I, I, I get you. I'm just saying in general for Everton to take that next step of being able to more regularly dispatch games like these, uh, can they do Can they do that with a central midfield of those three? And is it all just about tweaks to you know, your forward options, your right, right side, getting a right back in, whatever? Um, or, or are they – Still missing a piece. Like I've always sort of maintained that I like I, I Tom Davis is kind of meth to me, but he's definitely been way better the last couple of months. I've been very impressed. He had a great assist on that goal, but I've always sort of wondered in the back of my mind, not even in the back of my mind. I've just come out and said it, and you and I have probably both said this. Like, is Tom Davis really a starting central midfielder for? a side that is competing at the top, top level. Mm -hmm. I'm skeptical still, mainly because of the Mason Holgate thing, which is you see half a, half a good season from someone and then you proclaim the problem solved. And boy, we've seen how that's not, not always true. Like I, I'm one of those people who wants to see more than one season or half a season. I want to see multiple seasons in a row before I'm really convinced. So I'm, I'm sold on Decore for sure. Yeah. Granted, even he is going to start to reach that point with age and injury, but he's still, you know, he's 27, 28. He's in his prime. Allen and Tom Davis, uh, but, but Tom is at least making a good argument for it right now. But would you say that those three are what you need or do, does Everton still, are they still missing something in the middle of that pitch mm -hmm. to take them to a new level? Well, justice for Gabamon, first of all, because you've not, you've not mentioned <laughs> Um, Man, I, I'm rooting for that guy. You know I am. I want him to come back. I feel for him. This I really is, do. Out of sight, out of mind, Rob. And the, do, do you know what? I, I feel for the guy. And, I, and we're certainly not going to get him on now. He's not going to be our first celebrity guest. But um, oh, I'd love that. Central midfield. It's it's so it's so vital to, as you say, the the growth of of your club going to the level that we want it to be at. And yes, you you've highlighted a number of other positions which arguably our bigger priorities for Everton at the moment. Um, to answer your question quite bluntly, no, that midfield three is absolutely not good enough to to propel us into the Champions League and, and certainly not not enough to compete at that level. Um, Tom Davis, I think, I, I don't think it's harsh to say that he is not your top-level Champions League starting central midfielder. 
Um, I'd, I'd echo that with he doesn't have to be. Um, so, so many of the so many of the debates that we've had around Everton in recent weeks have been about squad depth and being able to do something a little bit different at different stages of of different types of games. And and Tom Davis is- could he be Jordan Henderson, Mark? What's that? I mean, could he be a Jordan Henderson type just oh, from the standpoint that yeah. no one really thinks Jordan Henderson is world-class, but yet he's successful when he's surrounded by a ton of talent. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, it's an, it's an interesting comparison really, because Jordan Henderson, in my mind anyway, and I know I, I look at this through, through blue tinted specs, but he's not, he's not a world beater, but you know, it, yeah, you, you see him performing at the highest level and, and lifting trophies that quite frankly, Everton at this stage can only dream of. Um, Tom Davis absolutely could could fit into that mould of just providing that little bit of something different that you feel like a team like Liverpool are really missing when when Jordan Henderson is is not there. Um, the the frustration about the frustration about this conversation and and that particular area of the pitch is that I think going into this season that that was probably the one area of the field that we thought we'd solved. Uh, we went out and bought the Corey and bought Alan and thought you know what. We're going to have a good season. We're, we, we've got a great manager. We're probably going to do something a little bit more special than normal. And then when we get to the summer, we're going to address things like an extra attacking option. We're going to look at a right wing back, but we're going to know that the core of that team is ready. We've got good centre-halves. We've got good central midfielders. We've got now what most people would say is a world-class striker. We're, we're adding the mm-hmm. finer points of a, a really top challenging football team. I still look at this and think we're a, we're a, a central midfielder short. I, I don't see anyone anyone in any of the names that we've mentioned already or anyone other than the the proposed player that, that Gabamin is as being that central defensive midfield holder that, that we right. we last had obviously I don't in think that's what Allen is. No no I, he, I don't think that's what Allen is. Matt Matt has convinced me of this that Allen needs to be pushed further forward. Regardless of what Carlos says about him being one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. I mean when someone says defensive midfielder, it's they might as well say um, they might as well say um, SUV, okay? And everyone's idea of what an SUV is is different, right? Some to some, it's a little hybrid hatchbacky looking thing. To others, it's this monster truck of a thing. And that's the thing is, I think Allen has good defensive qualities, but I don't think that he is a pure what is it a number six type oh. like. Uh, mm or number eight, or I, I, those numbers always fuck with me. I, anyway, you know what I mean? Like I don't view him as this pure, like guy that you, you, you rest right in front of the back four. And then all he does is clean up messes. I, yeah. he's not a, he's not a, just a gay. Um, he's not Conte. I mean, he's not, he's not that guy, but he's still to me, someone who, if he had a good, I mean, look, the the only word I can use because it's the only, it's a placeholder at this point. Um, I'm rooting for that guy. Uh, Everton happened to him. He didn't happen to Everton. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think that that I. But I want, having said that, we're you know, and, and Carlo came out and said it pretty much the same way. It's like I, the decision about bringing in another midfielder this summer depends a lot on what Gabaman can show, and and if he if he has a career to resurrect at this point. Um, that made me kind of wonder, like, well, does he think if we get Gabamin back, then we don't need anything else? And and maybe we don't because the idea is that, hey, if you have a defensive, if you have one more option and and that whole conversation about Tom Davis or Allen, it's not saying they're not good enough to be at Everton. It's it's more about are these your 
you know, your first on the team sheet starters every time. And maybe the maybe the whole issue here is Everton need more different types of options in central midfield than they may have right now. I mean, I think that that's fair to say. We don't have, obviously, a def- you know, true defensive midfielder. You know, we had to play Gilfie Sigurdsson back there last season for large portions of it. I mean, you know, we had all those those things. So, okay. And then the second thing, too, is, Mark, to kind of go along with that question, um, is if we – you know, everyone says now, even though I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell all of you right now that ha ha ha, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. I have been screaming from the heavens for about three years now about needing a right back. And I said, I dared to say before the beginning of the season that maybe you didn't want to overly rely upon Seamus Coleman at his age and injury history. And I got told off about how he doesn't have injury problems and he doesn't have any issues. And who the hell am I? Do you not know how little he paid for him and what they got a song about him? And everything? Again, it was never about Coleman per se as a person or a player. It was just acknowledging that that guy has a ton of minutes in his legs. He's played a ton. He is at a very a position that demands so much athletically and defensively. I just thought we could have, you know, like it was weird to me that we managed not to really address that. Now, if we had addressed that, maybe we wouldn't have uh, been able to see what Ben Godfrey could do. Like, there's a million other domino effects to all those things. I, whatever, um, that's fine. But we need a right back. But I'm assuming, too, that the club has got to be thinking I can't just balance the right side with one new fullback. It's got to be another dynamic right sided attacking player on top of that, right? It can't just be one thing, right? It's got to be both. And I don't think Josh King is it, uh, or or really, I think Josh King is a short timer here. I don't know that. I think he was signed for cover, and I'm glad that we signed him to a a nothing contract uh, so that we're not obligated. But it feels like if all, I say all we do, but if all we do is get a right back, I'm not sure that that fundamentally solves some of the issues that we've been talking about in terms of being able to break down certain types of teams that sort of park the bus and we need to have some creative, you know, ability to, to deconstruct because Bernard's almost certainly going to be gone. I think a Wobi may or may not be long for this world. I think there's talent there, but I think that they, you know, he gets punted around to a bunch of different positions, but he's not really, a, he's not a winger. He's a, he's a number 10 and I, I, I don't know that uh, one appearance playing in that position for 20 minutes is really any kind of proof of anything, but what have you. Uh, but it, but now that you hear that Gilfie Sigurdsson is going to probably sign a new contract, which just yeah. makes me die inside a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of wondering, like, if if Everton sign a right back and a right wing player, is that enough business this summer in terms of incomings or is there some, you know, is it going to require more than that? Are there issues that we don't see on the horizon right now that we have to consider uh, in terms of outgoings? I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get too transfer happy here, but I'm just trying to think of the specific problems we've got and how we are going to solve them. I don't think a right back is enough, but I think it's going to take an entire reinvention of the right side which i kind of feel like we've been saying for two years now yeah joe i know that we're looking at these two positions in sort of individual context but i think it would be quite interesting to see if if we solve this kind of right back problem that that we think we've got 
and uh, you know throwing names in the hat max Aarons from from norwich is is obviously the one that right. that's being consistently linked it'll be interesting to see. i expect it to be him at this point yeah he he's he's our guest next week um but if if we were to if we were to solve that issue and and bring in what we saw as as your kind of next level right back would that negate the urgency to go and solve your midfield? Would, would solving the right-back position help that midfield as it is anyway? I think that a lot of the time, a lot of the time I watch them, the, in particular with the core earlier in the season, and I think a lot of this was owing to James Rodriguez and the, the kind of right or wrong belief that the guy wasn't going to come back into his own half, but... I think a lot of our central midfielders had that in their mind that they were they were covering and worrying about more of the pitch than they they really ought to, and, and maybe that maybe a lot of that was aimed at, at the fact that we we had a a relatively weak right back in in terms of at times Coleman and Holgate have underperformed, and, and maybe that does add weight to the to the task that the central midfield have. But um, yeah, for me, Rob right back is the priority. Um, the the reason I think that the the right-hand side of the pitch is, is a major issue ahead of right-back even and, and looking at looking at attacking wide players is that I think we've got no flexibility in terms of how we set up up top. Um, I, I would love to be able to bring, you know, a, a better version of Josh, Josh King in and, and possibly go 4-3-3 yeah. three, three some weeks and, and some weeks we're going to go with two of them up top and we know that they can do a, they can do a really good job centrally. Um, sometimes we're going to be able to bring Hammers into the middle. Um, we're, we're going to have this new attacking wide player who can just bring a little bit of something different. Um, token mention for Wilfred Sahar at this point. But I think that, the, oh, of course, the reason that we haven't seen Hammers Rodriguez centrally, um, not only the fact that we haven't got that wide right player to, to step into his shoes in, in that winger position, but. I think if you're going to start counting James Rodriguez as one of your central midfield three, then the the situation that mm. you've got in terms of not having that that defensive pivot it, it, it comes to the fore even more. So, um, yeah, I, I go back to Alan. I, I, if if I think about the times in this season where I've seen the sense behind Alan, yes, I think his first game back from injury, he was breaking up play and intercepting, and he was that general physical presence, but. He's quite frankly not boring enough to play in that position. Um, he he wants <laughs> he wants to be on the ball. He wants to go and press the man on the ball. He wants to drive forward with it 20, 30 yards. He he, he wants to be generally involved. And and quite honestly, the, the best central midfielders and we're, we're going to talk about Idrissa Gay because he's the one that we have the most knowledge of. He, he was very rarely involved in play. Uh, I I thought ironically mm. he he was great at breaking forward occasionally and getting into the box and then inevitably putting a very poor shot either into the keeper's hands or over the crossbar. But I think to a large extent, he would strike you as a stylistically boring footballer. And Alan just isn't that for me. He he wants to be more box-to-box than we will ever want him to be. Um, I, I, I hate to make this comparison, but every single time I watch Alan play football, I see Thomas Gravison in my mind. He, and... Thomas Gravison, I, I don't want to make that comparison because he was shit for for three years, <laughs> and then he had a great season and went to Real Madrid. Um, but there's there's so much of that. He he's got a bullish nature. He he's got this kind of 
what we've always said about Jordan Pickford is that he's got an angst to be involved all the time. And I see that a little bit in Alan. He he has to be mm. the one who who goes and presses the ball. And and to that point, he's got a little bit of tactical immaturity about how he sets up in this pitch. And I, I don't think they, they are words that you can associate with someone who you're going to rely on to be that man and that wall in front of you back four. He just doesn't strike me as that player. And, th- and that's not to say that he's not a great midfielder. Certainly in, in the few games leading up to um, going to Leicester when, when Alan got injured and, and obviously we didn't see him for a few weeks then, but in the build-up to those games, he was fantastic, and and my yeah. my mind goes back to seeing him carrying the ball. Yeah, he, he'd be under pressure from someone who was trying to come and shrug him off it, but he just had he, he just give him a handoff like he was a rugby player, and that 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 sort of power on the ball and moving with it is something that we've not seen for for, for so many years with a with a central Everton player. But it, it it's not what we want from a player in in that position, and I think. Mm. If, if I think of some of the goals that Everton have conceded, and I think Man United at home in the cup was was one of those games whereby, because Alan was in the wrong position, it opened up so many opportunities for for the opposition. And I, I don't know where this lies, whether it is Alan's problem or whether he's just trying to do too much. And and that's something that we've we've aimed at Abdullah Decore at times this year. But I, th- I think generally speaking, to answer your original question, Rob, I think. If you, if you were looking at a central midfield that I was happy with next season as being a real challenger in the, in this very competitive league, I think you're looking at Alan Decore and either a Gabamon or a new powerful central midfielder to do that very defensive, boring job. Don't ask me a name okay. on the transfer list. Yeah, I don't know a name. Yeah. I think that... It, that there is there is not a great central midfielder to play that defensive role in the squad if Gabamon is not it. And I think at this stage, you know, it it's hard to even comment about that player, isn't it? Because quite quite frankly, yeah, no, there's again, Gabamon's a placeholder, um, and I want to be very clear. I, I still want, I still am very interested in 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 Allen being a part of this thing moving forward. I I, I want to yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He obviously had just a truncated season because of the injury. I just want to see more of it. Um, I I think that that right now we're still in this place, even though it's better. And and you can't argue that Carlo uh, has not. You can't make the argument that Carlo has somehow been unable to get more out of the existing pieces here because he has. I mean, I think that that's that's obvious to everyone. Um, you know, we we rattle off the same names, but. You know, Keen, Yerry Mina, uh, Tom Davis, Gilfie is having a better season this season uh, for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, even a Wobi, you know, for all the moaning about a Wobi, he's still been a pretty solid player when you've needed him this season. He's not been great, but I, I think he'll never live up to the price tag anyway. And, and I don't know what his future is, but I, I believe in the manager and the ability to make this group better. But I still think that what they're struggling with is still kind of having some mismatched players to, to ideas. You know, there's, there's what, what Carlo wants to do and what he can do with what he's got. And they're just kind of imperfect parts because, Hey, we talk about, I don't know how many times over the last half decade, we've talked about managers inheriting the projects of other failed managers. (laughs) So, Mm. you know, they're working with this sort of, you know, patchwork, uh, you know, thing, you know, collection here. Uh, We just happen to have, 
more expensive patchwork <laughs> than others. But, um, you know, and this is not to mention, this is certainly a, a question I think we will at some point have to ask as we, as we move, move forward, um, towards the summer, but I am going to be curious. I I'm still genuinely curious about what is done just in terms of the, the, the numbers in defense. I think, I think we make Europe. I, I don't anticipate us selling any of those center halves. Um, but if we don't make Europe, um, I think that you have to have a conversation about what is the proper resource allocation of, you know, financially to this, you know, to this, group um i yeah. you know I'm, I'm 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 realistic about about um the fact that that could include my fit my favorite player leaving but i also i also think i i also think that going into this offseason that, that guys like mason holgate have a lot to prove because i think he's had a disappointing season regardless of where he's played um i know he's not a right back but uh, he's, he's just, even when he's played at center half, he hasn't really blown anyone away this season either. So, um, it, there's just a lot of questions. And I think that when you consider all of the mismatches, the questions, the, what are we going to do on the right hand side? I think if you take a step back from just that question or those questions, you realize just how good a job the manager has done getting Everton to this point position this deep into the season and i'm that's why i choose to remain optimistic because i feel like this is between him and marcel brands that i i not saying they're not perfect uh, we've seen that that carlo has certain blind spots certain flaws we certainly marcel has had moves that have not worked out but he's had plenty that have and i think you have to ask yourself at the end of the day do you still trust the overall brain trust of, of at Everton? And right now, I still think I do. I, I'll 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 bet I'll I will cast my lot, if you will, with the the minds of of people like Carlo Ancelotti and, and Marcel Brands. And I'm interested to see where it goes. But anyway, go, oh, geez, man, just an hour and twenty minutes just flew by uh, pretty fast there. Uh, not or maybe not fast enough for anyone because this is always the longest podcast on the Blue Room. I don't really care no, about that, but uh, that will never change. Well, yeah, that'll never change. Look, I, I asked Mark to be on here because uh, his long windedness cancels out mine uh, to a degree, or it, it makes you not realize that it's just me. It's 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 him too. So, uh, but no, seriously, uh, guys, really, have, have enjoyed the the time again this week. Uh, obviously, Mark, thanks for joining and. Uh, so excited about having you now as the permanent co-host of the Blue Room. I think next week we'll probably be back with a third, uh, just so people don't feel like we're, uh, you know, we're we're being exclusionary or anything like that. Uh, I definitely want to have a third back on, and uh, we'll talk about other things. I'm sure we'll have the, the city game to talk about. It's a big one on Saturday, man. I, I, it's not a, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't even really have thoughts on it. I mean, everyone knows what a mountain it is to climb to beat City, no matter where you're playing them, but. Sure, we'd be nice after the the recent troubles for Everton to display some of that bounce back that they've had in them all season when it, when they get into these little ruts uh, in terms of form. I, I'd love to see us find a way to to somehow win this game because, man, I, I after everything this season, it would sure be nice to still be in a cup. But uh, we'll we'll talk about more of that uh, next week for sure. 
Um, you'll catch Mark and I, I am quite certain on uh, upcoming post-match. Uh, one of the two of us will probably be on there at least. Uh, we've got, of course, on Blue Room Extra, everything from mailbag uh, to the weekend preview. We will have... Um, we will have uh, the the um, subscriber. We we'll subscribers weekly, the weekly, all the the usual stuff. But uh, for Mark Mosey, I'm Rob Vera. We'll be back next week for more kickabout. Take care, guys. Happy St. Patty's Day. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store; it's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in store or at northerntool.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.